I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome back to the Palin Finn Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Yakat for all your fine quality kayak fishing accessories. Go to yakgadget.com. Pelican cases, coolers, and lighters. Go to pelican.com. And 153 Bait Company for all your hard and soft bait needs. Go to the153angler.com. So join with me as together we dive into the tips and techniques that will help make us better anglers out on the water. Welcome back to Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Palinfin Podcast. I am your host, Sean Lavery. Uh, with me tonight is one of my fellow Paddle and Finn co-hosts, uh, Chris Slipka. He is the host of the Mindset pod, uh, segment of the uh, Paddle and Finn podcast. How's that going for you, Chris? Oh, it's going great, man. It's good. Uh, we have a new episode coming out every every other Sunday, and it's been fantastic. That's definitely an area of my game that you know that uh, you know listening to your podcast is it's helped me a lot because. Uh, you know, I, I struggle with that mental game. You know, you, you know, it's so easy to kind of get lost and lose your head. And when, when that happens, then everything else goes downhill. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of how I felt, too, is when, once you kind of you start second guessing everything you're doing, everything goes downhill from there. Right, right. And it's just a tailspin. So yeah. if you can keep your mind and your wits about you, you know, you're already, uh, you know, working in the right direction anyway and hopefully the everything else kind of follows along but um so um again thanks again for coming on with me tonight um no problem guys uh tonight we're gonna talk a little bit about another aspect of uh fishing that i tend to struggle with and that is um trying to keep things simple and you know downsizing the kind of stuff that you bring out on the water uh you know if I, i imagine a lot of um people are like me and take darn near everything you own out with you on the water. And not only does that lead to like a super heavy kayak, that's hard to drag around uh, lots of stuff in your way. You know um, you know, I, I don't take as many rods as some people. I only usually take maybe four or five, six max rods at a time, but um, I definitely take probably six tackle boxes with me. I have my front hatch and my kayak completely full. Um, I had to, um, find a different a way to attach my cart. I now attach my cart on the far back of my kayak. 
uh, because I could no longer fit it in my front hatch with all the other crap that I have in there. So uh, I am definitely guilty of uh, taking way, way too much stuff with me. Um, so what, what kind of brought you to that idea? And, and um, I guess we'll start with that. Uh, well, tournament fishing, number one, um, just being able to not have to make a million different bait decisions while you only have eight hours to fish and you're fishing for money. On top of that, you know, it's, I think the first tournament I tried bringing everything I own. I mean, what it wasn't much. It was like six or six tackle boxes and probably like five, six rods. And instead of focusing on what I was fishing, I was focusing just on, I was switching out baits almost, you know, every couple of minutes. And it led to me not catching any fish that whole tournament or that whole day. Okay. Because I was, I was more, you know, obsessed with uh, switching out baits than actually reading the water. Gotcha. You know, I tend to, to, whether it's through laziness or what, but I will stick for stick with something for a long time um, before I, I change it out. And part of that originally was because I didn't bring that many rods. I didn't have that many different kinds of rods. So um, I just wouldn't, uh, you know, cut something off and tie something else on, uh, you know, just because I didn't have, you know, that many rods. So, and I would just stick with something even if it wasn't working. So I kind of erred on the other side of that, but I can definitely see where that would happen. And, you know, you saying that, you know, having that many different baits with you, I use maybe 5% of what I bring with me on any given day. Um, you know, when I fish like today, I took my full complement of tackle box with me this morning when I went out and I never touched it. I never even opened my, uh, uh, yak gadget crate at all. Um, I just kept throwing the Ned rig and uh, a crankbait all day. And, um, you know, so it was kind of a waste of space of, you know, weight, you know, all sorts of stuff, you know, never to touch that stuff. So, yeah. That, and that's what I was kind of figuring out too. A lot like this past year, I would take out, you know, everything that I could fit into the, into a uh, crate and not even touch any of it only because I, I would go out there knowing like the three or four things that I was going to use for that given day even if I was fun fishing you know I would stick to like some days I'll just be the frog and that's all I'll throw that whole day because I know that water is very thick and grass and it's kind of the only thing you can really get through there and but I would still bring everything it would just weigh me down and then there was a time on the river where I literally brought a bunch of stuff just to throw one crankbait and ended up hurting me in the end because my kayak was so heavy I couldn't get back up river. Uh, the current versus the weight of the kayak made it really a hard struggle. And then when I had to carry it through those ripples, it's it's way worse when you're carrying all that stuff on top of the kayak and the motor through a rapid to get right back up river. Right, right. Yeah. Those I'm are at, some of the some of the lessons I learned. But now, do you uh, generally bring stuff and leave it in the truck, or you don't even bring it in the truck? Like, I won't. No, I kind of. What I started doing uh, earlier this year, like my first or second tournament, I will go out with pretty much 
everything that I kind of have in mind on like a practice day of a tournament. And then before tournament day, I'll break everything down into three or four things that I'll use. And I only bring a total of four rods, and one of those is like a flipping stick slash frog rod. So it's really like only three functional rods I could throw multiple things on. Two of them are spinning rods, and one's a medium heavy rod. And it just it simplifies everything for me. I don't really put much thought into it, and I I read the water more than I read you know tackle. Okay, so. Kind of let the water and the conditions dictate what you're going to do. Yeah. That and then, you know, the fish always tell you kind of what they want or what they're doing. As long as you know kind of where you're looking for them. Right, right. And I that's another thing that I struggled with initially is, you know, as I've gotten to learn, you know, you know, spending more time on the water, I, 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 I've started to do a little bit better at kind of identifying where, you know, will be more higher percentage areas for fish. Whereas when I first went out, it was a lot of kind of blind casting and, you know, just hoping to stumble across fish. And occasionally I did, but oftentimes I, you know, would get skunked and, you know, would go all day without any bites or anything. So it was definitely a struggle. So, you know, time on the water definitely helps, I think, uh, get you to the point where you can start more narrowing down locations and, and uh you know just being able to look at a spot and or look at a maybe a topographical map and say okay these are the kind of areas i want to try and pinpoint and uh, you know that can definitely change based on time of year and and uh, things like that too but at least it gives you a a half decent uh starting point so yeah i mean if you know if especially if you know the area you're fishing too that obviously helps with downsizing everything but for me, I always start with just looking at a map, looking at Google Maps and kind of pinpointing kind of how I like to fish and then kind of look for areas that kind of support support that. So, like, if you're a dock fisherman, you kind of want to look for the docks, obviously. But, like, if, you, if you're a deep water fisherman or a shallow water fisherman, you kind of want to look for those areas that support your strengths and start there with stuff and then kind of move and see kind of where the fish are sitting at. I mean, cause there's, I'm sure you can always find fish deep, just like you can always find fish uh, shallow kind of no matter where the, what, what the water temps are or anything like that or what season we're in. Right. Right. You know, they always say, you know, a majority of fish move one location or another, but you know, usually you can at least pick off one or two stragglers that never make that move you know, even though they, you know, it's kind of, they like to make it like a blanket statement. Well, fish move shallow at this time of year, but you know, there's always a fish or two that hang around um, where you don't expect them or where they don't follow that, you know, trend that, you know, everybody uh, everybody says. So, yeah, what, what I heard one person say, well, a few people that are, are like the lead series guys say, you know, there's always a few fish that didn't read the rule book <laughs> of what they're supposed to do and that's, at certain times. That's a good way to put it, definitely. So, and uh, uh, there's so many times where I'll be fishing and almost not paying attention because I'm not expecting him to catch a fish. I'm on, maybe I'm on my way to, to where I expect to catch them. And so I'm kind of just, you know, goofing around, working my way back there. And 
I'll catch a fish and I'll be like, well, why was that fish there? And, you know, then, you know, if I, if that does happen and I try and, you know, make some mental notes of exactly where that fish was and see if maybe you can then develop a pattern. Uh, a lot of times though, sometimes it's, it's just kind of like a single solitary fish that just happened to be at one of those weird spots too, though. So, yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that too. Um, no, for me, simplifying things is like, like I said, I carry four rods and a handful of things that I'm really comfortable with using. Uh, so my typical day, uh, I have a drop shot tied on. Um, depending on what kind of water I'm fishing, I'll have another spinning rod with either a Nico rig if I'm fishing grass or a jerk bait if I know I'm fishing clear water where there's like rocky stuff. And then the, the bait caster that I'm using is either going to have a chatterbait on it or a crankbait on it, something like moving, depending on what conditions I plan on fishing for that, or a jig too. Okay. When, I, when I'm really going to slow down or if I need it or if I know I need to slow down. And that's pretty much it. No, the only other rod I'll carry is if I'm planning on punching or throwing a frog because that's the braided that's the rod that's uh heavy and it has 65 pound braid on it so there's really nothing else i use it for gotcha just keeping it really simple and not really giving myself much thought into like well this isn't working so maybe try this and then you have 20 baits on the bottom of your kayak with right. no, with no fish still <laughs> <laughs> Now it's interesting you said about throwing the jerk bait on on a spinning rod and and I actually do that too but uh, I didn't know I don't know of too many other people I know that do that so a lot of people I notice a lot of people like in the northern areas do do that and and northeast areas I feel when I was talking with a guy I feel like I could feel the jerk bait and I could feel the bite better versus versus a bait caster like I've thrown them on a bait caster too. And it just doesn't feel the same. I don't know when that fish is actually on until he starts pulling and sometimes it's too late and they're off already. Right. And that's, that's just, a, it's more of a personal preference for me. I'm sure yes. like it is for you. Yeah. It's, yeah. and I, I, a big deal, a big part of it for me is being able to get my cadence down winding and jerking at the, you know, for some reason I can, I feel like I can do that better on a spinning reel. And I think it's just because I've been using a spinning reel for so long. I'm still not extremely new to bait casting, but definitely not as adept with them as as a spinning rod. So I think for me, you know, just getting that jerk, jerk, pause, winding, jerk, jerk, pause, wind. You know, I, you know, I, I feel like I can do it more rhythmically with a spinning reel for some reason. And I, you know, I, it's probably just lack of practice at this point. But uh, that's kind of why I still throw it on a on a spinning rod. Yeah, that's kind of why I, why I throw it on the spinning rod, too. I mean, I get a little scared sometimes because I'm throwing it on, like, eight, ten-pound test. So <laughs> there's always that fear of it breaking yeah. off. But for the most part, I mean, I've earlier in Michigan this year, I put a pike on, on a spinning rod. And, I mean, probably by pure luck that it didn't bite the line off. But kind of eases your mind when you can bring a fish that size in versus – you know, three pounds smallmouth. Right, right. No, I've definitely caught some big catfish 
um, accidentally on weird stuff like crankbaits and stuff. And yeah. On a, um, but also on like inline spinners, uh, last year, not so much this year for whatever reason, but for whatever, some reason last year I was fishing an inline spinner a lot for smallies on the river and I kept catching huge catfish and, uh, it was, yeah, the, you know, it was handling fine. You know, the line would get all snotty from the catfish, you know, it's kind of, those, chan- those channel catfish are aggressive. Yeah, the, the channels and the flatheads can be very aggressive at certain times. It's weird that they're talked about as bottom feeders, and then bass guys are catching them left and right at certain times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just the la- I think uh, was the last time I was out on the river, I caught one on a crankbait. You know, and um, get sometimes, man, they la- they friggin' latch onto that back treble, and it kind of gets both lips, and I have a heck of a time getting getting it out of their mouth but uh hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain your feet are carrying the load without the right boots you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge at midway usa we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier with just a few clicks of a mouse you can decide on what's important like waterproofing insulation size width and savings for just about everything for shooting hunting and the outdoors Check out MidwayUSA.com. Yeah. And then, you know, as far as um, we go back into the keeping it, you know, keeping it, simplifying it, um, that's kind of the rod setup I have. But also as far as like colors. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. To, to keep it simple with colors like my jigs, it's a black jig, a brown jig, and possibly a black and blue jig at certain times. Or like a green pumpkin. I, I keep it really simple with that. Um, plastic colors, it's either green pumpkin or black and blue. Okay. I very rarely, I mean, maybe I'll mix in like a gold flake versus a purple flake or something like that. But very rarely do I go off of those two colors. If it's a swim, some type of swim bait, I'll go with a white. And I, okay. Like, it, it's part of keeping it simple too and keeping tackle down and honestly saving money. Yeah, we don't need these thousands of different colors, and and stuff like that just to compete in a tournament. I've I've kind of started doing that as well. If I'm out on the river, um, I kind of stick to uh, the black or the chartreuse and black crankbait seems to work really well for me. Otherwise, if it's a jerkbait or a swimbait, I'm doing white or white and chartreuse, like the big Joshi I I throw in uh, in chartreuse on the river and then more natural colors when I'm on the lake. Yeah. If I, if I feel I need chartreuse, I just keep that. uh, What's that dip? Dip it. Yeah. Yeah. The spike. spike. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll spike the white. If I feel I need that versus, um, versus having to buy a whole new pack of different, I mean, it's doing the same thing. And if anything, it's adding more scent to it also. So when you're spiking it versus when you're buying it, um, I'm not big on uh, crankbaits other than like square bills, but if I'm using a square bill crankbait, like you said, the black and yellow is one that you kind of always have to have. It's won so much money, so so many different places in the country. Um, then that uh, like a shad color, and then around here in the early springtime, that red, that black and red is kind of key. Yep. 
no, I, I agree. And that's very similar to around here as well. Um, I haven't had as much luck with the shad colors on the river. Um, that's for some reason, the, the black and red yellow or the black and chartreuse, I do really well. Um, on, but on, and I haven't thrown red too much on the river. I I've thrown it a couple times and have gotten some bites, but I've had the most luck with that when I go to the lakes around here in the spring and, um, had a ton of luck with that color on the lakes, but, um, definitely that helps. Um, and you know, like you said, the, anytime I have soft plastic colors, I, I really tend to keep that pretty simple as well. Um, uh, my Ned rigs, I almost always do hot snakes on the river only because it, it has worked so well for me. Like, I don't know. It's kind of like the only color I throw on the river anymore. Yeah. Uh, well, figuring out your local waters and the colors that work help, help a bunch. Definitely. But I mean, I've took in everywhere I've been, either green pumpkin or, or like a black and blue has always worked. There hasn't really been a place I haven't been where they won't bite it. Right. You know, as far as like a general per a general purpose select, and then obviously we always have our certain colors that work on our local lakes. Yep, yep. Well, like my local yeah. lake, uh, the watermelon pearl, for whatever reason, seems to work really well. The yeah. it's kind of like a green and a white, but but yeah, no, I I hear you definitely. And I was thinking about uh, another good aspect of you know simplifying things is if you do like for whatever reason wipe out or spill it's less stuff to lose probably also keep, true. keeps you from you know being as tipsy if you're you know not as heavy you know maybe you know you lean one way and your weight doesn't you know all transfer the same way again so that could be yet another aspect of you know keeping things light keeping things simple yeah also just being thought of but that's definitely true and just like you said, being mobile, like if you have to get out and drag your kayak or, you know, you're portaging at all, you know, the lighter you can be obviously is, you know, the, you know, will help you better be able to be more maneuverable and be, you know, make the kayak much easier to get from point A to point B. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's, that was kind of my very first lesson in, in uh, downsizing and uh, and simplifying things was when I had to carry that kayak kind of through the woods with all this stuff in it. It just took a, a lot longer to do because instead of just dragging the kayak, now I had to right, park the kayak, take the bed, take all the plastics and all that stuff out to lose weight, and then drag the kayak to where I need to go. And, you know, it's just that it was a big pain, and it kind of that's what really kind of spark this topic that we're talking about and i you think i would have learned that lesson too we uh my family went on a vacation to deep deep creek maryland and the, the house we stayed at there was like a walking trail between us and the water and uh i took my kayak on that trail back and forth quite a few times going to the water to fish i had it on my uh my cart but i dumped it probably three or four times because there's always uh like uh tree roots that had grown up through the path and it made it really right. bumpy and i don't know how many times i'd hit that one tree root and it would just tip my kayak and crap would spill all over and i had to sit there upright it and put all the crap back in and so that should have been a lesson learned but uh, me being stubborn like i am i kept loading it up and dragging <laughs> it down that stupid path but um 
And now, yeah, I, you know, when I go to the lake or the river by me, I have such a, a routine that I go through that, you know, it's not as big a deal. But anytime, you know, and in a tournament, you know, when you're not necessarily fishing your home waters, that's that's definitely something good to keep in mind because you're going to be doing things that you don't always do and it might take you out of your routine. So the simpler you can make that, the better, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember a couple terms this year where it helped me a bunch where i mean i was doing stuff that i was comfortable with in places that normal people wouldn't even throw that and having <laughs> success with it yeah and that's probably a lot of you yeah. know that had to do with the successes that you know the, you know not a lot of people probably did fish there uh if it was hard to get to or, or something like that yeah it, well also uh fishing techniques that you you know how to use is a big you know when you're out on the I, I you know you should always be learning when it comes to i mean that's what the whole this whole show is about but when you're in i say when you're in a tournament setting or practicing for a tournament do the things that you know how to do and use the use the techniques and baits that you know how how they work and you know how the bite feels and then save learning new stuff for the days off when you're on your home water. Or like a lot of the pros say, take that new technique and go to a lake that where you know you could catch a lot of fish, even if they're 8 to 12 inches, just to learn kind of that bite. Right. Yeah. And I th that was uh, one thing. Um, I don't. You weren't on the podcast yet when we did the bracket challenge where we kind of – do you remember that? Did you listen when we did that? Uh, were you a listener? I might. I might have been. I know I've been listening for a while, but there's so many podcasts I listen to. Same here, man. Same here. <laughs> like, um, but um, when I first started on this podcast, we had like this uh, bracket challenge where um, the hosts fish head to head. Like I, I went up first against JP, and I'm trying to remember who else I went up against. But uh, in like two or three of the the matchups that I went to, I didn't fish my strength even though i fished my home waters whether i think it was because it was in the it was like early uh it was early in the year like march april you know i think and then so i knew you know quote unquote the they'd said soft plastics won't work yet and so i didn't fish soft plastics even though like a, a senko was my go-to bait it's what i had the most confidence in but i didn't you know i listened to the people on you know, didn't throw it. And, you know, uh, luckily for me, that first matchup with JP, he didn't catch any fish either. So, cause I skunked and he skunked. So we ended up doing a rematch, but after I, you know, we fished for six hours head to head. And after, you know, we, we called it a, a draw. Um, I just kept fishing cause I wanted to, I wanted to see what I could do. And after we, you know, cut off the cameras and everything, I started throwing a Senko and I caught three fish. So I, I was like, oh, I should have been throwing that the whole time. But I listened to, you know, the people saying, oh, well, you, soft plastics won't work. And yeah, um, you got to stop listening to people. I mean, I stopped listening to people a while ago. <laughs> um, one of the biggest ones that that I say that the biggest time that I say this year where I learned, you know, listening to people won't really uh, get you success. I mean, I was on the water on a home body of water and time after time, I've, I've told this story before on the podcast, time after time people 
come, you know, come in. Oh, they're not biting today. They're just not biting. I can't find them. There's no fish in this lake, you know, and this is a, and I just went with the frog and I catch five fish in less than two hours. And it's just people just, they listen to other people and then they take, they throw some in a certain spot that someone else was catching fish the time before and have, you know, little success. And sometimes you just got to open your mind to things and kind of read, like I keep saying, read the conditions. Right, right. That water was 85 degrees. They weren't going to be swimming around. And uh, it's, and and that's tough because, you know, you, people tell you things, you know, some, you you hope that they're telling you things because they're trying to be helpful. You hopefully somebody wouldn't willfully deceive you for the purposes of making you suck and then catch fish. But I'm sure that happens every once in a while. But I think for the most part, people are well intentioned. But what works for one person might, not work for you because your fishing style might be completely different from yeah uh from there so you know definitely if you have something that you're comfortable with i'd say you know even if you're you know people are saying well that's not going to work there give it a try because just because it doesn't work for them might not mean that you know you might be you know working that bait or using that beta a completely different way than how they would and, and it works for you so you know definitely you know stay in your comfort zone if you can you know you know, if you get, you know, if you're fishing in a tournament and you, you get way ahead, then, you know, branch out for sure. But, uh, you know, you know, might as well go with what you know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I agree with that. I always try to go with what I'm confident in because, I mean, you're going to end if you go and try to do things that you're not confident in especially practicing for tournaments or trying to learn a new body of water. Sometimes like a lot of those people leave that lake thinking the lake sucks when really it's just, you you don't didn't put the time in to do the things where these fish are at, you know? And I hear it all the time, especially around here. Oh, well, this lake sucks. That lake sucks. Well, it's not, it's not really the lake. It's just you're not giving it enough time to show you what it can do. Right, right. No, and, and, you know, that's, I fished for my local area for so long before I, you know, started learning. And, you know, I, I think back to, you know, my first year or two fishing where, you know, I, I got skunked so many times and it wasn't because there was no fish there. It was because I wasn't putting it where the fish were or, or, you know, presenting it in a way that would make them want to bite it, you know, and I look back at all the silly things I did and, you know, uh, it was definitely a learning experience and almost comical now looking back at, you know, everything I tried and uh, a lot of wasted time, actually, sadly enough, but, you know, before I actually started putting things together, but, um, Man, you know, I feel like we all had to go through that. Right. Yeah, that's part of learning in anything that we do in life. You know, it's the, the part where you fail, which sucks, but it happens. You know. Amen to that, man. Yeah, it's it's part of the process, but it's what makes yeah. you better. Yeah. yeah. You know? And now I am on the other side and I can look back and, and laugh about it. And, you know, and, and maybe if I see somebody doing some of those same things, I can, you know, try and help them out. And, yeah. uh, you know, just say, hey, you know. I see you're struggling. This this is what worked for me. It might not work for you, but hey, give, feel free to give it a try if you want. So, yeah, uh, the thing that I don't like about 
uh, certain, I mean, certain people on the water. Nobody like specifically done it to me, but people who try to pr- push a certain product or a certain expensive rod or something and saying you have to have that in order to catch fish here. That's something that I always try to stay away from, but helping people like, Hey, this technique will help you like kind of what the, this whole show is about. Definitely, you know, is a good thing for the sport and for people to learn more. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, if I, if I get back to the ramp and somebody asks me how, how I did, you know, and, and I'll, I'll tell them, I, I, I try to be honest. I mean, I feel That's like same here. And I, you know, I, I've heard people say, oh, well, you shouldn't tell them. Like if they ask what I caught them on, I'm going to tell them um, to me. I, you know, the more I can, you know, make someone else love fishing as much as I do, you know, help them be successful on the water. I think it just helps our sport grow. And, yep. um, you know, obviously, you know, in a tournament situation, I guess, you know, you, you might not want to, if you have juice that well, you don't really, really do works. You don't want to do a pre free tournament. <laughs> After the tournament, I, I don't mind telling people everything that I did, you know. But yeah, the only the only time I keep a secret is the uh, the day before the tournament. You know, other than that, even on the local lake, I don't try to keep spots. Yeah, no, same here. <laughs> and um, I I I try to you know just if someone asks, I try to be you know as absolutely honest as I could. So. Um... I was thinking, you know, about the simplifying things um, and how much that goes towards your mindset, too, because if, you know, you can really focus on what you need to be doing and not have to worry about, you know, all these decisions and everything, like you said, that's going to help you um, just focus so much more and and be that be that much better because you're not constantly, uh, you know, second guessing everything. That that was something I did at first too, and and one of the main reasons why I didn't you know switch baits often is because I didn't have confidence in them, and I was like, well, either the fish aren't biting this, but it more often than not was probably just because I wasn't working the bait or presenting the bait correctly, you know. But it, that kind of in turn um, prevented me from using a lot of different baits. But like, do you, um, do you use snaps or anything like that to help you change baits quickly? Or do you just tie direct? Mm, I, I tie direct all the time. Okay. The only time I really have a snap on, which I mean, crankbaits come with it already, but it's like a lipless crankbait just, just cause I know it gives it more action. Okay. And that like a lipless or, or, um, or square wheel crankbait. Just because I know it allows it to move more. Okay. Or if I'm musky fishing, but that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> <laughs> musky t- fishing is, yeah, you're right. There's a whole next level of that's, gear you have to yeah. have for that, right? Yeah, that's why I stick with the fly rod. It's cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> I still, I still want to do that, and you know, I'm, I'm, you know, hesitant to, to say I'm musky fishing. I, I more hope that I'm going to, you know, just catch one while I'm bass fishing. That's, that's my hope. And on on the river, it's always possible, I guess. But that happened to me this year. Okay. I caught one while bass fishing, but that's the one that took my rod into the water. So (laughs) (laughs) I remember uh, passing a guy early, early, early on this season. He, and he was fly fishing from his kayak. And I was like, Oh man, you're fly fishing. That's awesome. He's like, yeah, musky fishing. I'm like, wow. 
So you're just taking it like that much. It's it's hard enough to fly fish from a kayak, let alone, you know, where he was right by me. But then to say, oh, I'm fly fishing for muskie on my kayak in that spot. That's, I'm like, all right. I'll tell you what, you want a headache or, or to be <laughs> aggravated constantly? <laughs> from experience, I know. But After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan, for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash waypoint. That's mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Yeah, it's, but like for me, for the mindset of things for me to get back to the question, um, it, it does, it definitely helps me. Knowing that I'm throwing the stuff that I'm confident in, and then on top of that, not giving myself really another option by carrying less tackle, uh, it's either I'm going to get it done with these or I'm just not going to get it done. And then I, but I could leave the water knowing I made that decision before I even got on the water. And at the end of the day, we're doing it to have fun. Right. That's why we started it. That's why we go out every weekend. You know, it's, it's, we're not making millions of dollars doing it. So, we might as well, why be mad on the water and be like all pissed off just because you didn't catch a fish or you didn't figure it out that day? No, and that, and that yeah. definitely was something. I, you know, I still don't like to get skunked, but it definitely doesn't bother me as much as it did initially. Um, and there's so many times where I, I find myself, if I start getting frustrated, um, I really got to, you know, take a mental break and, and just say, whoa, 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 calm down. Otherwise, you know, like you said, it snowballs like, um, it used to be where I'd get a wind knot, you know, and in the, in my line, and then I'd be like, ah, oh, you know, this happened again. And, and then I would find myself speeding up or, or, or doing something else that is only going to make matters worse. And, um, then I wouldn't catch fish and I'd be frustrated about that. And, you know, it just builds and builds and builds. Um, whereas if I would have, you know, when, now when I get a wind knot, I'm just like, okay, calm down, just, you know, either cut it out or, you know, that's another thing that I learned quickly was that, uh, so, and I forget who told me that, but they're like, if it's going to take more than two minutes to get a knot out, just cut it and retie it, like cut it out, you know? Yeah. And, um, cause I used to sit there for 15 minutes trying to, you know, get a backlash out or, you know, now I just, like I said, if it's going to take more than two minutes, I just cut it, you know, you do go mm. through a little more line that way, but, um, it's cuts down my frustration and you know helps me you know be positive more oh well, so. yeah well, my mindset with birds nests and like backlashes whatever you prefer to call them professional <laughs> overruns <laughs> <everyone can> <laughs> <call> that. <laughs> with with me i just put the rod away I'm like yep. I, I guess well i mean for me I, was, I guess it's just not meant to be for me to catch something on that bait today i'll just try something different and and just go on from there you know it i mean sometimes you do have to like in, in a tournament situations or something like that 
you kind of have to sit there and fiddle with it for a little bit. But I think when we're fun fishing, just try something different. Right. I mean, we have the, we have the rod. I know we're not, we're nobody out here. Nobody bass fishing takes one rod bass fishing anymore. <laughs> when I shore fish, I see guys bass fishing. They don't even take one rod anymore. Yeah. They got two or three that they're carrying around while they're fishing. Yep. And so. <laughs> even when I shore fish, I carry <laughs> yeah. at least two. Cause... Yeah. But I, I mean, so many things. Um, I, I, in my first like year or two, I broke so many rods because I'd get snagged and I'd pull too hard or, you know, do d- just dumb stuff. And, you know, I lost rods, you know, doing, you know, silly things. And it just, you know, everything, it, it just, if you, if you can keep your head in and it, it cuts down on so many other er- er- errors that you would do. So. Yeah, it definitely does. And, like as far as the simplifying part, like if you keep cut down on buying so much tackle, and I I'd rather buy, uh, you know, not a super expensive rod, but something that's better quality, instead of buying a hundred dollars worth of crankbaits when all I really need is one or two. Like if you see if you see my boxes, I have four boxes, and that's all the total tackle that I have. Okay. And I have one one off Ziploc bag of plastics. Oh wow! That I carry. Wow. That, that's how simple I got this cut. And the only time I buy new stuff is if I lose something. You know. <laughs> I have a long way to go in that regard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll just put it that put it at that. My if if you could see my garage, you would yeah. you would see how much how far of uh, uh, I would have to go to to get down to that. <laughs> That would be quite a chore, yeah. but uh, and then but like, and you're, like you said, it's it's kind of silly because that stuff has been hanging on my garage wall now for you know a year or two years in some cases. I never go to it because I know what works, and and nine times out of ten, that's what I stick to. Now, occasionally, you know, I'm like, oh, that's right, I wanted to try this, and or you know, I'll have a guest on and he'll talk about a technique and then I'll try it and then, you know, actually start catching fish with it once I know what I'm doing. And, and, uh, you know, then maybe go back to the garage wall and be like, Oh, okay, well now I can use these. Um, but you're right. It more often than not, it just hangs there, you know, and, and never, you know, it just collects dust. So. Yeah. Like the only, the only time I buy stuff without actually needing it is if a new technique comes out and I feel it can benefit me in some way. But then I would, I'll go out and I'll buy one pack of, like when the Ned Rig came out, I bought one pack of Ned, Ned Rig uh, Jig Heads, and then one pack of TRDs. I didn't go out and buy 30 of them, 30, 30 sets of Jig Heads and three different uh, bags of plastic. It's because you're keeping it simple. First, you, you don't know if you're even going to like the technique. Obviously, the Ned Rig is one of the best things out there, but just in general, you don't know if you're going to like the technique. You don't know if it's going to work for you. Um, I just think keeping it simple saves you money and it saves you time and headaches at some time, too. And, you know, <laughs> at, you know, we, we, we're, fo- you know, our show kind of focuses on, you know, the newer anglers and stuff. And I think that's yeah. a, a gr- huge lesson because I, I definitely made that mistake. I went out and, you know, bought tons of stuff that I didn't need. That first year I spent way more money than I needed to. 
or and probably should have you know i was definitely that guy when they say you know you know it catches fishermen more than it catches fish sometimes so i mean we all have to learn that lesson i feel like luckily when i really got into this i was young and i wasn't really making a lot of money so i didn't really have the option <laughs> to spend a ton of money my so wife that, uh, <laughs> kept me in line somewhat but it definitely was a struggle so yeah, yeah. <laughs> She would probably say I still struggle, but you know, I my I definitely am a little more selective. Even even like the tackle boxes, you know, like the mystery tackle box and stuff. I I did that for a little bit, but I wouldn't use a lot of the stuff that I got. So and I I came to the conclusion, hey, it's probably better for me to you know save my money and and buy the specific baits I know that I want and I know will work. And if I want to branch out or try something new, I can. But it doesn't mean I just have to wait. For something new to come in the box so yeah i bought in one mr tackle box my whole life and uh uh I, yeah same thing here i think i use one thing out of there and the rest is kind of sitting around like it was it just wasn't worth it for me it's a great thing to to have sometimes but no i, I agree I, see, some I people i think benefit. yeah no i meant <clears throat> I do. Um, I think I have one uh, dark horse tackle. I have like their. I think they do an eight dollar a month where you get like one or two baits. That's. Uh, it's more like a sample kind of. Their it's not their big box, but I think I'm still subscribed to that because it's like super cheap. And every once in a while you get weird stuff that you know. Uh, I wouldn't have thought of trying, but. Um, yeah, but most but, of the most of the stuff that's like new that you wouldn't think of trying there's probably 30 youtube videos on it before you even put your hands on the thing right right <laughs> now i um i i like a few weeks ago i had the guy who invented the ghillie on yeah. and um he uh hooked me up with some uh because i couldn't find them in stores anywhere and um so uh i'm super psyched to try that but uh other than that there really isn't a ton of stuff that i haven't tried at this point yeah you know? so i mean when, when you break stuff down into categories you kind of don't really have a ton that you that's new mm -hmm. you know you got your jigs you got your, well now you got your chatterbaits you got your texas rig your spinner bait that's kind of going out of style unfortunately because i like throwing that mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know and you got your plastics and then you got your hard baits like you only need a few of a few of each of those and the thing that you probably spend most money on when you break it down is probably soft plastics because right. you go you go through those soft plastics and hooks and uh tungsten weights is probably the thing that if you break it down you're gonna spend the most money on throughout the year unless you're just buying stuff just to buy stuff. Right, right. Yeah. No, and um I don't, I've, you know, that's another thing that I've gotten better at is not losing baits. I, my, my knots have gotten better. So I, I tend not to, to break off stuff as much. So, you know, the more, the more you can up your skills, I think, you know, the easier everything will be, but, you know, again, that just comes with time on the water and, you know, you know, and learning as much as you possibly can, which is yeah. one of the best benefits of this show is, then that's kind of why I started doing this show is, because I wanted to learn and um, I'm like, well, heck if I can learn and, you know, entertain some people along the way, that's perfect. So, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as far as like simplifying it though, 
when, when you break them down into categories and you if you know you can still take everything that you that you kind of own but just take less of it take right. if you think you're gonna throw a crankbait take two crankbaits for that day you know or if you think you're gonna throw swim baits take one pack of swim baits if they're plastic swim baits instead you, of taking the five or six that you own just take one do you still go with a crate or do you you know do you just have like one or two boxes that you bring depends on the day Sometimes I, if I truly, just because I have so little of tackle, if I truly don't know the lake, I'll bring the whole crate. But I've like, what I've done this year, come tournament day, I want to be down to only one or two boxes. Okay. And a and a bag of a select plastics, of what I want to throw. No, I. Feel I it I've helps t- out a ton. Yeah, no, I, I've talked to people who everything that they want to bring can fit in a backpack, like, and that's, they just throw that backpack in the tank well of their kayak and they go, you know, and I'm like, wow, I, you know, I load up my crate and like I said, my front hatch is completely full. So um, there has been a few select times where I was just in a real big hurry and I was like, ah, I don't want to bother with the crate and I'll just grab one box. And to be honest, it was, it was really fine. You know, I, I didn't, you know, you don't you realize you don't miss it. Right. Yeah. Right. And then it makes you wonder why you, you know, lug that huge. Now I, I love the Yak Gadget crate because it holds a ton of crap, but it's also yeah. can be uh, you know, a hindrance at times, you know. Um, but um, you know, I there's a, a time and a place for it, obviously. But um Yeah, there, there's a time and a place for everything. But like if if you truly don't know what you want to throw at that day. Like I said, just kind of t- you could still take everything, but just don't take it in big amounts. There's some people who have a who have boxes and like three boxes dedicated to deep cranks, three boxes dedicated to shallow cranks, three three bags of plastics, and they want to put all this in their kayak all for one day of fishing, and then realize ninety percent of it didn't get thrown. Yeah, no, I, I'm not <laughs> I'm not quite that bad, and yeah. mostly because I don't own that many baits, but. Uh... Um, I, I definitely, you know, soft plastics, I probably carry way more than I should. I, you know, I have, we can also go through soft plastics way more than way more than a crankbait or especially if you know how to dislodge them. Right. But if you saw, if you saw how many, how much soft plastics I bring with me every day, it would, you'd probably get a kick out of that. Cause I mean, I have the Ned rig binder, the big binder, and that thing is packed full. So, and then, you know, all the, I think I have three 3,700 boxes in my Yak Gadget crate plus my, my terminal tackle box. And then all the rest of the space is kind of filled in with soft plastic. So I have a little bit of everything. Yeah. I mean, but that's still not bad. It's only four boxes total. Well, that's in the crate. Then my front hatch I have. Oh, geez. another a couple boxes up there. Uh, I have a spinnerbait box up there, and then I have my frog box up there, yeah. and then a inline spinner box. So it's yeah, just a little full. I don't bring out the top water box until the water hits about seventy-five, and that's what um, <laughs> just recently, as the water as temperatures started to really crash, I brought all my boxes inside and I reorganized them. 
And I, you know, did, that's why I stuck the top water one in the front hatch. Cause I knew I basically wouldn't need it, but I probably doesn't even need to come along with me. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's people who say you could catch them in 60, once the water temps 60 degrees, you could catch them on top. I'm sure that's true, but you're going to catch a lot more un, under the surface than you are on top. Right. Right. Unless, and, unless you're just going for that bite and you're just dedicated to that top water bite. No, and I, that lesson I had to, I kind of struggled with because this, this year was the first year I really started uh, doing well with the popper and I kind of fell in love with the Rico popper. And then I almost didn't want to put it away because, um, and I just kept throwing it and throwing it long after it kind of stopped working uh, more temperature wise, I think than anything. And I finally had to just be like, all right, this just isn't working anymore. You know, there'll be a time again next year when it, comes back but for right now let's you know you know give it a rest so yeah yeah and then also when when you're learning like new techniques like especially you know being a new uh the, the best thing to do when learning a new technique is leave everything else at home and just take that technique and fish that all day for like a week and I mean, like fish that the whole time you're fishing, and then every time you can get out there, that's not a tournament or practicing for a tournament. Uh, just fish that technique to learn it. And because I feel like a lot of people go out there, say they'll be like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna learn this technique today," but just in case, I'm gonna bring these other rods, and then that new technique never gets picked up. And <laughs> a lot of times, I'd go out with good intentions, but I. would yeah my patience would wear thin quickly and I'm like, well, I'm not catching anything. I'm going to switch back to something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the hardest thing to do, but if you ever, if you really want to learn certain things, that's the best way to, uh, to go about it. No, I, I agree. And there's so many things I didn't learn because I did that. You know, I didn't learn what the feeling of a Ned rig flopping along the bottom, you know, was because I'd give up on it too quickly. I'd either snag once or twice and be like, how the heck with this? Or, you know, and, you know, once I actually felt what that felt like, you know, in where, you, you know, where they talk about counting rocks and stuff like that, you know, and, and actually slowed down enough to actually feel that it made such a huge difference in my success with that. But it, because I, the first couple of times I threw it, I just, you know, got snagged. Um, and I, I either gave up on it cause I couldn't feel that. And maybe it was cause I had the wrong line on and, or the wrong rod and just wasn't feeling it. But once I got that dialed in and it was only because I did it and I, I kept doing it until I, you know, figured out the right combination. So I think that's definitely a huge part of it, you know, and now it's one of my go-tos, you know, it, it helps me catch fish when almost nothing else will work. But yeah. when I first threw it, I had no feel for it at all. I was like, I hate this. I can't tell what it's doing down there. You know, I was so used to a weighted wacky rig where I could feel it on the end of my line. And when I first threw the Ned rig, I was like, I can't feel this. I, I have no clue what it's doing down there. Um, but, um, you know, I stuck with it. And now it's definitely one of my favorite favorite uh, techniques. So. Yeah. And then for for your soft plastics problem that... <laughs> The first step is admitting you have a problem. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I would I would just recommend if you want to simplify it. I mean, you really only need two types of like soft plastic. Well, three, 
you know, you need the like a Ned rig, a single type, you know, and then your drop shot, and then kind of like a moving bait. Because the soft swim bait, the soft plastic swim baits, I just put that kind of in a different category. And like your trade, your uh, like Texas rig kind of bait could also be your jig trailers too. Right. So that kind of goes hand in hand. So you don't, I mean, I only carry one or two packs of those because those last forever. The only thing that you really go go out of quick is something like a, like a drop shot bait. Those things will go quicker or Senko goes quick. Those are the only two things I really carry like heavily when I'm out fishing. Yeah. No, I, no, I, I've started to do a little better with that. I don't carry as many, uh, as I used to, I still carry a lot, but, um, I used to carry like four different colors of swim baits with me. And now I'll only carry, you know, one pack of swim baits. Cause nine right. times out of 10, if they're not going to bite that color, they're not going to bite, you know, uh, usually, but I usually stick to very either white or a natural color with my swim bait. So nine times out of 10, one of those two will work. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So it's, it's definitely been some improvements, you know, and I have a ways to go, but. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. Yeah. I mean, like I said, simplifying it's going to make, it's going to help the mindset. It's going to help, help you catch more fish. Cause you're not going to be as worried about color. When, when you stop worrying about color and you start worrying about more about the conditions, you've, you seem to find more success. The fish can't really, if it gets in front of their face and they feel it's food, they're going to eat it. It doesn't really, it could be pink, blue, purple. It doesn't matter if they think it's food, they're going to eat it. You know, right, right. They're you I, know, I, feel I like it's us that's that's the problem. No, right. I feel like <laughs> we we give them more credit sometimes than they're worth. You know, because yeah. you know they at the end of the day they they are a pretty simple creature. You know, so if we they, uh, they don't have hands to grab it, so the only way <laughs> for them to see what it is is to bite. And right. so... <laughs> oh man! All right, well, dude, we've that was uh. We covered a lot of stuff there, but yeah. I, I think it, it all ties back to, like you said, you know, keep it simple, you know, and, and that's going to totally help your game in so many of the different areas we talked about, but it's just going to all go back to just making you more successful out on the water by giving you less to think about instead of more, you know, when they always say less is more, and this is one of the perfect examples of that. So, Oh, absolutely. But that I always, you know, less is always more for me for sure. If you see me out on the water, you'll see I don't carry a lot of stuff, and I actually get made fun of for it 
for a couple of the locals around here, but I always outfish them, so it doesn't matter. I was going to say, <laughs> the ends justify the means for sure. So Yeah. Well, cool, man. I, uh, I wanted to give you a, a chance to shout out any uh, sponsors and stuff if, if you want. And, you know, obviously, everybody, I want to uh, be sure to check out the Mindset uh, segment because there's definitely uh, more of this great information. But uh, any other sponsors you wanted to give a quick shout out for? Uh, just right now, um, well... Rocktown Adventures, I'm not technically sponsored by them, but just, you know, the local uh, kayak shop, they're always willing to help, they're always willing to ask, uh, answer questions for me, or answer questions for people who contact me, and then uh, Outdoorsman Coffee. They've been a sponsor since early in the spring, and the coffee's great, so I have no complaints with them. Awesome. And- <laughs> Well, that's cool. Um, how'd you happen on them? Like you just you you had uh, used them before? Or they reached out. I to was you? I was using the product prior to being sponsored by them, okay. And just you know tagging the product, and I, I already liked the product, and I already liked what they were doing. Their their uh, slogan is caffeinate, motivate, dominate, and there I'm you go. A guy, I'm a guy all about mindset and keeping people with a positive attitude. So it kind of just goes hand in hand. Awesome. Awesome. Well, cool. And and um, for the folks who want to check out Mindset, you said every other Sunday? Yep. So we'll have our next episode. Uh, it would have had already come out by the time this airs. It would have came out yesterday. Okay. And then two weeks from then, every awesome. other week. Cool. All right, guys. Well, be sure and check that out. Um, so, Chris, thanks again, bud, for uh, uh, helping me out in a pinch here. I, oh, I, no uh, problem, man. My guest for this week bailed on me, and Chris was uh, nice enough to to hook me up. And I, you know, I think it was a great conversation. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. A, like I said, I would have. There's a couple other topics I would have, the tubes and all this and spinner baits and jerk baits and stuff. <laughs> but that's been like your past couple of weeks, so I don't yeah. want to reiterate <laughs> some. <laughs> well, that's all right. We, we we can have you on again when yeah. it's once uh, we get a little time lapse between those pro- or those techniques and stuff. Yeah, no, that's perfectly fine. Cool, man. Well, mm. thanks again, man. Um, everyone, thanks for listening. This has been the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment on the Paddle and Fin Podcast, where we bring you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. Good night, guys. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Fin. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Fin on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler Button, and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com.